Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the OrthoBullets podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of osteonecrosis of the knee found under the knee and sports section at orthobullets.com. Let's begin with a quick summary. Osteonecrosis of the knee represents a condition caused by reduced blood flow to the bone secondary to a variety of risk factors such as sickle cell disease, steroid use, alcoholism, autoimmune disorders, and hypercoagulable states. Diagnosis is radiographic for advanced disease, but requires MRI for detection of early or subclinical disease. Treatment is generally observation with management of the underlying systemic condition. Operative management is indicated for advanced disease with the presence of severe subchondral collapse. Now let's get into the episode. In terms of the demographics, this demonstrates a female-to-male ratio of 3 to 1. It is more common in women less than 55 years old with risk factors, and it is reported to be found after knee arthroscopy in middle-aged women. In terms of the anatomic location, this typically involves more than one compartment of the knee or even the metaphysis. 80% of cases are bilateral, and multifocal lesions are not uncommon. Risk factors include alcoholism, dysbaric disorders such as decompression sickness or the bends, marrow-replacing diseases such as Gaucher's disease, sickle cell disease, hypercoagulable states, steroids, which may be either endogenous or exogenous, systemic lupus erythematosus, inflammatory bowel disease, transplant patients, viruses such as CMV, hepatitis, HIV, rubella, rubiola, and varicella, HIV medications such as protease inhibitors, and trauma. In terms of the pathophysiology, for a spontaneous osteonecrosis, this appears to represent a subchondral insufficiency fracture. Another hypothesis is that there is an association with a meniscal root tear. In terms of the presentation, symptoms may include pain with weight-bearing, especially when sitting or standing. In terms of imaging, first-line radiographs include an AP of the knee, a lateral knee, and a merchant view of the knee. Specific findings may include a wedge-shaped lesion on imaging. An MRI is the most useful study. Remember that this has the highest sensitivity and specificity. Specific findings will include a dark lesion on T1 and a bright lesion on T2. Remember that this bright lesion represents marrow edema. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about osteochondritis desiccans. This is more commonly found at the lateral aspect of the medial femoral condyle of a 15 to 20 year old male. Also think about transient osteoporosis. This is more common in young to middle-aged men and there may be multiple joint involvement found in 40% of patients, which is referred to as transient migratory osteoporosis. Another differential is occult fractures and bone bruises. This is associated with trauma, weak bones, or overuse. And the last differential to keep in mind is spontaneous osteonecrosis of the knee, also referred to as SONC or SPONC. Now let's discuss treatment. Non-operative options include NSAIDs, limited weight-bearing, quadriceps strengthening, and activity modification. This is indicated as the first line of treatment. In terms of the outcomes, these are favorable, but less so than non-operative management for SONC. Operative options include diagnostic arthroscopy. This is indicated to remove small, unstable fragments from the joint. Another option is core decompression. This is indicated for extra-articular lesions. Another option is osteochondral allograft. This is indicated for large symptomatic lesions in younger patients that have failed non-operative management. And the last option is total knee arthroplasty. This is indicated for a large area of involvement if there is collapse or osteonecrosis in multiple compartments. And lastly, with regards to prognosis, remember that this is typically a self-limiting condition. 
Now that we've discussed the major points relating to osteonecrosis of the knee, let's walk through a question to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For this question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 12 and a half year old boy reports intermittent knee pain and limping that interferes with his ability to participate in sports. He actively participates in football, basketball, and baseball. He denies any history of injury. Examination demonstrates full range of motion without an effusion. Radiographs reveal an osteochondritis desiccans lesion on the lateral aspect of the medial femoral condyle. An MRI scan is performed, which demonstrates stable lesions. Initial treatment should consist of which of the following? And the answer choices are, choice one, activity modification. Choice two, arthroscopic evaluation of fragment stability. Choice three, transarticular drilling of the lesion with the 0.045 Kirshner wire. Choice four, arthroscopic excision of the fragment and microfracture of the underlying cancellous bone. Or choice five, excision of the fragment and mosaic plasty. The best answer to this question is, choice one, activity modification. The skeletally immature patient has a small OCD lesion that appears stable and he has not undergone any treatment. Therefore, a trial of activity modification and limited weight bearing until pain resolves is the best initial choice. Cessation of sports activities for four to six months may allow healing of the lesion. Surgical treatment of juvenile OCD lesions is reserved for unstable lesions, patients who have not shown radiographic evidence of healing and are still symptomatic after six months of non-surgical management, or patients who are approaching skeletal maturity. Good results with stable in-situ lesions that have failed to respond to non-surgical management have been reported with both transarticular and retroarticular drilling. Results after excision alone are poor at five-year follow-up, and it is unclear if microfracture will improve the long-term outcomes. Mosaic plasty may be the next best option for patients who remain or become symptomatic after excision of the fragment and microfracture. The publication by Wall et al. reviewed juvenile OCD. They state that JOCD has better potential for healing than adult OCD, but several series have shown up to a 50% failure to heal with non-surgical techniques. The presence of a loose body is an indication for surgical fixation, drilling, or regenerative procedures, depending on the presence or extent of subchondral bone sclerosis and the surgeon's experience. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choices 2 through 5. The most suitable treatment in the first stages of the disease is conservative, including activity modification. That's all for this review about osteonecrosis of the knee. We hope that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session from OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on orthobullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the OrthoBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the OrthoBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.